Good morning, everyone. This is Jeffy Kennedy, and I'm here with my first cup of coffee. Hmm. Still on the real coffee, and it's good. Notice it's really tasty. Uh, kind of forgotten. It's been a while. It's been, um, well, when did I stop drinking? It's not like in the fall. So probably a good six months, something like that. So far doing fine on my stomach. One thing I noticed is as I drink it much faster than I drink my London Fogs. I don't know what that indicates. Um, I look down and my latte is gone. I've sucked it dry. Often I've drunk the whole thing by the time I'm done with this podcast. Uh, Whereas my London Fog, sometimes I'll look up from writing and my cup will still be full. I won't have drunk the whole thing. I usually make two and sometimes I don't drink all of the second one. What does it mean? I don't know. I don't know. I was reading some stuff on intentional eating, on getting away from the idea of governing how much you eat and instead just allowing your body to decide how much you want of a thing and what you want to eat. Um, which is certainly how I used to be when I was in my youth. But, you know, with things like, um, and they do talk about, they do talk about stuff like uh, unconscious eating where you sort of do that hand to mouth while you're paying attention to something else. But, you know, so it's like, okay, so with, the latte versus the London fog that's largely unconscious because I, you know, pick it up and sip while I'm thinking or like right now it tastes good. I enjoy my caffeine in the morning, but I enjoy the warmth and sweetness as much as anything. I don't, um, I don't think I really wire up on caffeine like some people do. It's, I don't have, I don't feel like I have a caffeine craving. It's pretty easy for me to walk away from caffeine. So I could do decaf coffee, but I don't think decaf espresso tastes as good. Maybe that's, maybe that's me kidding myself. But you know, so if you think about, um, you know, like is, is drinking more of the latte, drinking it faster, an example of my body craving it and so I like suck it down faster or is it because I need it warm um you know I was talking yes or yesterday not yesterday um Tuesday about coffee being originally an Ayurvedic tonic and so I st switched over to it because I've got this long thing whatever it is my spring ague uh so maybe my maybe it's medicine maybe it really is medicine who knows Thoughts on, rambling thoughts on very little at all. I still haven't finished Loden's Reign. I have 5,500 words, more or less, to go. A chapter and a half. Well, really, one full chapter and two half chapters. Um, <laughs> just eking out. I'm writing about two or 300 words an hour. And I don't know why, and it's driving me crazy. So there it is. Um, 
I do think that there is truth to that having other people's expectations in mind can really uh, stifle the writing process, or maybe it's a distraction from the writing process, because I do find myself thinking, will this be enough? Uh, will people be happy with it? I'm very aware that a lot of people are waiting for the end of this story, and so I am I do start thinking about those things, and I have to keep sort of wrenching my mind away from it and say, no, Jeff, you just write the story, just let it finish, write, you know, it's your story, write it the way you want to. Um, but those things do come into play. And uh, it's it's a lot of work to sort of, you know, as I say, kick everyone out of the room. Uh, sometimes I think it can be helpful uh, to do something physical to kick those people out of the room, kick those voices out of your head. So if you feel like someone is looking over your shoulder saying, you can't write that or you can't... Uh, do this or, you know, this better have a satisfying revenge ending. Um, <laughs> all of these things. Um, one thing I find very useful is if I keep hearing someone's words in my head that I don't want to be hearing anymore, I'll write them down on a piece of paper and burn it. And that works amazingly well. And today maybe I should try like actually kicking some of those people out of the room you know, writing their names down on a piece of paper and tossing it out the door so that they can't talk to me anymore. Uh, I do think I would be done if I was feeling better this week. So there's sort of that dual-edged thing. I wrote for a while yesterday, and then I finally figured out I wasn't going to get more than my paltry 600 words or whatever it was I got. <clears throat> I am rearranging things and moving things around and so it's not um it's not all just uh, plotting word count i have been weaving a bit but so that i finally gave up yesterday and i went and laid in the recliner in the living room and watched a movie which is always feels decadent and delightful to me i don't do that kind of thing very often so i watched the prince and me um, which was 2004 movie with Julia Stiles and Luke Luke Hambly. I know he came up recently for another reason, maybe like one of the Hallmark Prince movies or something. And it's a it's a cute movie. I there are things I like about it. There are things I I always have trouble when they try to do romances in films. Because romances and films, you know, and people will say scathing things about the rom-com. Uh, and one of the things that's, there are two things that are irritating to me about rom-coms. One is they almost never give plausible reasons for why the people fall in love. Um, and I think some of that is the laziness that's brought on by filmmaking. Uh you know, there's there's some great scenes in that movie um, where he's where they're cleaning up the restaurant at the end of the day. Um, at, well, and the premise I should tell you is that he's the crown prince of Denmark who uh, decides to 
go off to a university in Wisconsin because he thinks all the girls will take their tops off. And then he has a radical change of personality within the course of about 24 hours. So there is that where he's no longer a playboy jerk um, entirely because he meets Julia Stiles, I think, but it's all because he sees her. It's because she says a couple of snotty comments to him. It's not enough for me to really believe in a true personality transformation. Uh, so he ends up working at like the campus Rothskiller where she works also. So there's a couple of great seats uh, where she is um, gets to choose the cleanup song and puts on a song on the jukebox and she's cleaning off the tables and she's dancing as she does it. And of course, Julia Stiles is a lovely dancer. So she really brings a lot of emotion to it and he is gazing at her and so and it's wonderful you could see him uh being wrapped by her and what an unusual person she is and she does have an unusual personality she has a very interesting um julia styles brings a lot of weight to a role to the role and she's an interesting character in the show so then there's another scene where she's teaching him to do his laundry of all things. And they bring that off nicely where he, and they start talking about Shakespeare's sonnet and he's teaching, that's a trait and he's teaching her how to understand Shakespearean language. And that's really lovely too. And I've seen people pull screenshots of those because they are great romantic moments, but you know, that's, that's pretty much it. Um, you know, he goes home with her for Thanksgiving and appreciates her family. And so there's those great scenes, but you never really see them, I don't know, grokking each other, with, for lack of a better term, uh, of, you know, what it is about the other that they really um, find compelling and interesting. And it's a thing that I think we're forced to do in books, because we can't do the long panning shot that shows him watching her dance. We can try to describe it, but we can't do those facial expressions. And it's one of the irritating things about writing is that we only have a few words for smiled. You know, we have smile and smirk and grin and, you know, lifted one side of his mouth. You know, I'm forever trying to find ways to describe the expression that I see in my head. Whereas in the movie, the actor has the expression and the camera grabs it. And it's in some ways easier. But it allows for that laziness in movies. So that's my first problem, is that very rarely um, do you believe that they've actually fallen in love. It almost always depends on the chemistry of the actor's frankly. You know, people will talk about, well, it was a good movie and it was good written, but you know, the lead characters had no chemistry and I didn't buy the romance. It's like, yeah, well, you know, if the writing had been there, maybe you could have. But it's also probably too long for movies too. I think um, some of you have noticed that I have a poster of a room with a view in my office. And I think that that book and that movie make a persuasive case the the book or the I'm sorry the movie does a wonderful job of showing what happens in the book and shows us why these two people are um, are really really get each other and why they will only be happy with each other. <clears throat> so 
the other thing that gets me about rom-coms is that they almost never resolve the problem at the end. So it's like whatever conflict is keeping the couple out to begin with uh, tends to disappear at the end. Whereas in a romance novel, we work really hard at making sure that one or both characters has to make a massive change in themselves, usually some sort of sacrifice where they decide that this whatever they are sacrificing is more important to them or is less important to them than having love and becoming the person that they will become uh, once they've found love. So um, in this movie, there is, you know, they have the big fight. They find out, you know, the paparazzi finds him. She finds out he's lied to her. He's the crown prince of Denmark. And she says, you know, that she's got, things to do with her life and she didn't want to be distracted with love because she was determined to go to medical school, you know, be part of Doctors Without Borders, all of these things. And so he goes back and she does her final exam for the Shakespeare class, which is inexplicably an oral exam, but you know, movies. And they're talking about Othello and so forth. And it's it's a nice circle back. It is nice writing that way because, you know, he... He's the one who helped her understand Shakespeare for this, you know, elective class that she needed for, you know, her final undergraduate degree. And she'd been the science brain. So, you know, that is something that he brings to her life, this understanding of poetry and uh, romantic intention. But in the middle of this oral exam, which is so crit- has been so critically important to her all along, she starts talking about love and sacrificing for love. And she runs out of the room and flies off to Denmark. Um, So suddenly all of these things that were really super important to her no longer matter because love. And it's not the same thing. It's not the same as making an intentional sacrifice in order to uh, transform and become a better person who is capable of loving and being loved. So there's there's my screed. It, that book does, or that book, that movie does do a nice job in that, you know, she's all set to be crown princess and everything. Oh, spoiler alert, you know, you can all stop, put your hands over your ears for a minute or something. If you, But I think everybody has seen this movie by now. Um, but at the end, uh, she says she can't be his queen. He's going to become king, his father. He's going to get crowned because his father's sick. And she says she can't be queen because she wants, you know, she needs to you know, be herself and do her thing. So that's great. And she goes back and she graduates and he shows up and says, well, I want, I want you to be the person that you're going to be. <clears throat> and I still want you to be my queen. Uh, so, so that's good. But in the, it, it just doesn't really always work as a romance. It's still heartwarming. It's better than many. And I enjoyed it. Uh, and then I tried to watch The Prince and Me too, because I thought, well, geez, did I ever see the sequel? Let's watch the sequel. I'll watch The Royal Wedding. Sign me up for The Royal Wedding movie. And um, are you guys like shaking your heads? Because if, you, if you've seen it, you know. Well, The Prince and Me too. the only same character is uh, Luke Campbell, who probably like got sucked into the contract and couldn't get out. <laughs> and so it's some other gal instead of Julia Stiles, who seems like a complete bimbo. And from the first moments of the movie, it's just, um, it's campy and silly 
and uh, and you could tell that it's just not going to have anywhere near the same uh, dubious weight that the first one had. And Soren, uh, who is the prince's sort of valet or attendant or sidekick, I don't think they ever really name what his role is, who goes with him to Wisconsin, um, is someone else too. In fact, I think the entire cast is swapped out except for poor Luke, who probably just soldiered through it for the money. But I watched about 10 minutes of it and rolled my eyes. It was um, terribly disappointing. So one day we need our... Uh, no wonder Julia. Julia probably like said, I don't care how much it costs me. Get me out of this terrible script. <laughs> so that's my that's my ranting and raving for the day. Tell me your thoughts. What are your thoughts on The Prince and Me? Uh, I think it's so hard to find really good romance movies. And I think some of the arguments online about um, what constitutes a romance, the perennial um, oh, well, Nicholas Sparks writes Rose romance. No, he doesn't. <laughs> if if there's a tragic ending, it's a tragedy, not a romance. This goes back to Shakespeare. Happy ending romance. Lovers die at the end. Tragedy. One or both doesn't matter. Um, you know, so you get these arguments online saying, oh, but, you know, such and so movie was a romance. It's like, no, just because there's romance in it, just because the romance forms a strong part of it, if it doesn't end up happily, then it doesn't count. Um, you know, and it's funny because you can look on, like, we have HBO, one of the things that I... I'm so happy I can pay for just my HBO subscription and I don't have to have the whole freaking cable package. It's one of the wonders of modern technology. So we have HBO, largely so we can watch Game of Thrones, but then we watch other stuff on it. Uh, actually, HBO has some good shows. We watched Russian Doll, Russian Doll. Oh, no, that was Netflix. That was very interesting, too. Anyway, sorry. Uh they have the categories you can look. And so they always have that romance category on HBO. And I'm always befuddled by half of that stuff in there. It's like, who put that movie in the romance category? I feel like us romance lovers should rise up and we should create, I'm tempted. I should put a page on my website of really good romance movies, movies that are actually romance. Is anybody else doing this? We need a collection, a list of movies that are really romances, A, and B, satisfying romances. I do think A Room with a View counts as a satisfying romance. It has a happy ending, doesn't it? And they they both change, and they both um, open their eyes to truths about life and themselves that allow them to be together. So, on that happy ever after note, I shall retire, retire to my dread treadmill and see if I can pound out 5,500 words. I can write this in two days very easily and still stay under my 3,000 word limit. So, um, I'm sure I'll punch through. Wish me luck. Talk to you later or talk to you tomorrow, maybe. Bye-bye.